Welcome to the Self-Fellowship Church Podcast. Here at Self-Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, South friends. Uh, Welcome to this uh, time in between Christmas and New Year. It's this time, this Sunday, where we just celebrate the fact that we can give some time off to our incredibly hardworking staff, our incredibly hardworking volunteers. You guys, you, you rocked through six Christmas Eve services with all of the details going on, with all of the things happening. And, and we saw people come, come back to church for the first time maybe since the, the pandemic began, saw new people come in and all those different things. Uh, and so it was just a, just a time of joy. And now we move into this season uh, that's in between Christmas and New Year that that has always just fascinated me. I've always found it intriguing. So it's this one other time where you still get to wear Christmas sweaters and no one will look at you weird. If you do that on the 1st of July, uh, people will be angry. Trust me, I've tried it. So I'm still rocking my Bob Ross Christmas sweater. Uh, And it's this season where you maybe lose track of time. Uh, I just found some just wonderful like just thoughts on this on the internet, the, the place where we get everything good. Just first to 26th of December is is festive. It's this joy. It's this excitement. And then you get this weird period, 27th December to the 31st of December, where you're confused. This guy's apparently full of cheese, and he doesn't even know what day of the week it is. It's it's the time between Christmas and New Year's. And it's the Finding Nemo fish. It's like, well, now what do we do? It's just, it just feels a little strange. And, and someone drew a calendar and you've got just like everything in between Christmas and New Year is just this blur until New Year's Eve that the dates don't always make sense. The weirdest five days of the year are the five days between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. Like what day is it? Do I have to work? Is school in session? Should I pour a drink at 10 a.m.? Is it New Year's yet? Like what the what? It just is this season where we can feel just the space. Now, I'm always intrigued by how that works for different people. So one of the theories I have about Christmas is uh, it's what you might call a force multiplier. Uh, If the season for you, if the year for you has been great, then Christmas comes along and it makes everything even better. If it's been tough, Uh, then Christmas comes along and it magnifies a lot of the toughness. Now, this is a year like, unlike any other, hopefully. Uh, And so all of that comes into play. But I want you, before we jump into some of this teaching, we're going to look at the idea of space in the Bible. I'd love you just to use your imagination with me for a second. Just picture yourself for a second. You're sat on a chair in a room with a blanket over your knees and a drink in your hand. Now, only you can tell me whether that is a good sort of imaginatory experience or a bad one. Maybe in your imagination, you're sat in a cozy chair with a warm cup of tea and just resting with a blanket and there's nobody else around. And that for you is like this joy. Maybe you sat by yourself in a cold apartment. You haven't bothered to turn the heat on and that's why you have a blanket. And the drink is, is it's a hard drink. It's something that you use maybe just to get through the day. And that, that isn't to criticize either, but just depending on our experience, our interpretation of that sort of picture, it can just be way different. Maybe you're a busy parent that has just managed to get through the Christmas season. And now the space 
and you've got this imaginary, imaginatory moment of being alone. You're like, oh, thank goodness I'm alone. Thank goodness the family are now out of town. Thank goodness everybody's left. I have been climbing out from under a pile of dishes for days. And in this moment, I'm just like, ah, oh, nobody bother me. To you, this experience is just, it's just joyful. Maybe for some of the rest of us, there's that experience of, ah, oh, someone invited me over on Christmas day, but now there's nothing. People are doing family things or they're taking rest. And, and now the, there's just this season that feels a little bit empty. Depending on where you've been, depending on your journey, depending on your experience of life, this next few days is either a, a space to just rest or it's a space that just feels like there's something missing in that imaginatory experience. Are you alone or are you lonely? Uh, those are two very different, very different things. And so we wanted to take some time and just imagine or just think through some of the ways that the Bible writers talk about the experience of space. So we're going to start with this passage in a book called Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. This group of people, Israel, they have had God speaking to them for years. And they followed this sort of broad cycle. They've done things well, and then it's gone badly because of their behavior. And God has sent a prophet to either Judah, the one nation, or Israel, the other nation. And he's come, and the prophet's made a difference. The people have changed their behavior, at least for a while. And then Malachi is the last one. And this is the last passage of the Old Testament. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And that's the end. If you have a paper copy of the Bible in front of you, you might look at that page, Malachi chapter four. And then there's just another page that says New Testament. And that's when the Jesus story begins. There's this weird space of, of 400 years where God doesn't speak. It's, it almost reminds me of that moment if, you, if you've had kids or you remember back to being a child where you were told by your parents, you've got one more chance. And you never quite believe them because they keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it. And there's always another chance until there isn't. And this is this moment in the Old Testament. The prophets have spoken. These men have come and said, this behavior doesn't work. God is not pleased. This will, this will go badly for you. And then in this moment, this is the moment of silence. It's, it's a gap, a gap of 400 years where there is no voice of God. That sounds quite a, a scary thing. This to them was an entirely negative experience. There was this sense of where has God gone in the midst of this? It reminds me of uh, just a couple of, uh, a couple of illustrations. Uh, in the London underground system, the subway in London, the oldest one in the world, you get these signs painted everywhere that say, please mind the gap. It's that gap in between the train and the platform. It's a throwback to when they would have actual people standing there saying to each person that came off, sir, please mind the gap. Madam, please mind the gap. And they realized after a while, it was far easier to just record the message than to have hundreds of people just repeating this message over and over again. But in this situation, the gap, it's entirely negative. It is a bad thing. You, if you've walked on a platform with kids, you're terrified about them getting into this gap in between train and platform. Like in this situation, the gap is negative. 
Second one, there's this, this incredibly unique area of the universe that scientists have found that has no stars. It's just a space. It's, it's not a gap, it's a, it's a void. It's empty of everything. These two sort of like illustrations, they, they're entirely negative, right? They're, they're about absence. They're about you don't want to end up in between these two somethings. The idea of a cosmic void, I actually find creepy and terrifying. And again, walking on a platform, I'm always nervous about this weird gap. And, and these remind me of this moment in Malachi, or at the end of Malachi at least, where suddenly God is silent. He's suddenly not around anymore. And, and if your imagination of being alone in this season, when we saw, talked about sad, being sat in a chair with nobody about, if that was negative, for you, then maybe it reminds you a little bit of one of these two things. Maybe it feels like God is absent. And space can do that. Space can make us feel like, oh, where, where am I? And where is God? Samuel Beckett, the writer, has this story about two men waiting for a character called Godot. Uh, and the idea is it's supposed to be an allegory about waiting for God. And at one point, after sitting and having a conversation, one of the two men looks at the other and he says, it's terrible, we sit here and nobody ever comes, nobody arrives, we just keep on waiting. And, and maybe this space, maybe that resonates with you a little bit. But there's other ways that space is explored by the biblical writers. And I think one, maybe even if you've had a negative experience this season, one of them can actually be really helpful to us. So we're gonna take a little while just to look at this wonderful word in the Bible that's mysterious. This word, selah. It's kind of like a space of its own in between sentences. Here's a few examples. This is from Psalm 37. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. That's the actual, there's a transliteration of the Hebrew word. It's the way that they would have said it as well. And in many of your Bibles, again, if you have a paper copy, you might find that the, the people that put it together just decided to leave this word out because it is mysterious, because we're not entirely sure what it means. But, but one of my favorite understandings of this word is this. It simply means take a moment to consider that. Step back for a second. Let that kick you in the butt. Let that phrase grab hold of you. Let that moment be caught up in the space and let it, let it say something different to you. Here's a few other places that these people that put together this wonderful poetry and Psalms found a place for Salah. This is Psalm 24. Who is he, this King of glory, the Lord Almighty? He is the King of glory, Salah. Psalm Chapter three, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. Selah. Be angry and do not sin. This is Psalm chapter four. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Every one of these moments is this invitation to just experience space but in a good way, realize that God is not absent. He's actually there in the middle of it with you, which is wonderful news. But do you notice something about each, or well, not each one of these things, but about these four examples? They're all different. We looked at one from Psalm 24, where it's a celebration. He is the King of glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory, Selah. This person writing feels like he's in God's very presence. He is, 
excited. He's taking a moment to, to pause and think about the wonder of this God he worships. But the one before it is, one, is a, someone who's talking about the need to be protected from trouble. He needs a song of deliverance. He's looking for somewhere to hide. He's in a moment of stress, in a moment of struggle. You are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who lifts my head high, Salah. This is the expression of someone who's downcast. There's a God who comes alongside him and lifts his spirits up, who brings him up to a better place. There's, there's all of these things going on in this experience. And wherever you are, you are invited. I, can, I think my question for us this season would be, what Salah moment do you need? You may have felt like God is absent right now. And the truth is maybe he's actually just silent or maybe we actually need space to listen. Maybe he's been speaking all along, but we actually haven't been able to create the space. And maybe this tension around this time of year for you, it's in order to get you to a place where you can listen. Maybe you, like me, are, some would think like the character Martha in the New Testament. There's Mary and Martha, two friends of Jesus, and Mary is great at sitting and listening. And Martha is one who's always busy, always has something to do, and finds it just easy to get on with something. I find myself like that. I find it harder to sit and wait and listen for God than I do to write a sermon where I'm supposed to be talking about God or something like that. It, for me, it just requires this just... Uh, I have to force myself to do it at times. Maybe this season where suddenly there's not the things to be busy about, it creates an opportunity for you to listen and experience God's presence again. But whether Christmas and this season have been negative for you or whether they've just been incredibly positive, God has this moment of Selah for you. It's just a decision just to lean into it. That's an incredible invitation. But something else, that I think connects with me in this, with this idea of space and gaps. I love the moment in the Bible before a new idea is revealed, when it transitions from something old to something new, like some information is about to change and we're about to get an opportunity to grasp that the world is different. And this is Ephesians chapter two, verse three. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. It's this idea that people are broken. You and I consistently go our own way. And maybe you're not someone who's connected with this Jesus story. You don't see a need for it because you see a world where everybody's a mess. And, and it is true, we are. But in this verse here, there's about to be an invitation to something brand new. The whole story is about to change. And it almost like it just hovers in silence for a little while. And I almost feel that the longer you wait in the gap between this last word and the next word, the better the next part becomes. We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This wonderful pause, this wonderful gap, this wonderful void in between these two sentences leads from an old truth that we are by nature children of wrath into an incredible new truth that God is entirely interested 
in your deliverance and my deliverance. He has made a way where there is no way before. With all of the noise of Christmas, whether joy or whether the, the absence of joy for you at Christmas, there is regardless this invitation into this Jesus story. You may never have encountered it before. You may have looked at it in the past and said, no, that's not for me. It doesn't work. And yet this Jesus person who transcends time and history, who we still talk about in a present tense. We don't talk about how Jesus was. People all over the world talk about Jesus is. It's like he's still present because he is, even though you may not know it. It's an invitation into that story. And he's constantly inviting, 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 constantly holding out a hand to you. There's this moment where the Bible has a gap because it's a new beginning. I'm going to end up with a daft illustration because it doesn't compare to the wonder of this Jesus story. But my fantasy football team is finally out of the running in its competition. And I'm a genius fantasy football player. I'm wonderful at it. I'm sure some of you are as well. And if you want to join a league with me next year, then invite me away because I have endless energy for this thing. But my main sort of thing that I, main league that I play with my friends, it's, it's over for me. It's done. And now I'm waiting for a new thing to begin. I'm like, ah, oh, there's got to be something new. And that's a ridiculous example because it doesn't compare to some of the experiences you guys are having that may be a negative at this time of year. And yet Jesus specializes in doing new things. He's constantly inviting us into new things. So whatever is going on for you, this verse speaks of newness. There's this but moment where God changes the narrative, changes the story. So in amongst this space, We'd love to just give you time to experience him, to know that he is present even if he feels absent, to know that he speaks even if he seems silent, to know that he cares even if you're not convinced that that's true. This season, God loves you. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give online at southfellowship.org slash give or on the South Fellowship Church app. Thanks for listening, South family. Have a great rest of your day.